church family. So um, I was so encouraged by Nate's announcement because I don't know if you know this about me, but um, for generations in my family, the firstborn male, which I'm one of the, I'm the firstborn male on my side of the family, my dad's side, um, the, our middle name was Marion. Marion. And uh, my dad hated that middle name. And I just discovered that my middle name now is Community. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that my middle name is Community, our middle name is Community, and it really, actually, it connects with the passage we're going to be in. Would you turn your Bible open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3? We're going to be in, starting in verse 6 and moving all the way through the end of the chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And if you're just joining us in this series, it's this wonderful letter that Paul writes, his first letter in the epistles that he writes to this church, a group of young believers who, um, remarkably enough, even though they were very young in their faith, were flourishing in their faith. They were growing in their faith and the expression of it. And people all around the area had heard of them, their reputation. And people were actually discovering who Jesus was because of these people's lives. And not only that, they were trusting Christ. And it gets better than that. Even more people were, um, were hearing the gospel because of them throughout the whole region of Macedonia. And Paul and Timothy and Silas, who wrote this letter, when they're writing back, you'll discover this tone that's just richly full of affection and encouragement because their lives had impacted Paul and Silas and Timothy in such a way that they're bringing really great encouragement to them. Um, these in the, These believers, young believers, were in the middle of persecution. Life was hard for them. And it was really difficult for Paul and Silas and Timothy and their team. They had walked through some really difficult moments. And yet, um, these young believers were providing really rich encouragement. So let's look at the text, if we could, with me. First Thessalonians, if you don't have a Bible and you don't have that on your phone, get it on your phone. Get next to somebody who's got it and we'll read it together, okay? This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. And by the way, you know, right, this is for your encouragement and so that your faith to be nurtured and challenged this morning. But now, verse 6, that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, We have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts, blameless in holiness, before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So, in a relatively brief amount of time, 
these believers had been growing in their reputation. Reputation as people who really placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. And that was having this great impact, not only on other people who were just starting to come to faith, but on other people who were in the thick of doing ministry in really difficult moments. And as I was reading through the text, I was, there were some questions that were sparked in me. The first one was, what things bring the strongest encouragement to me? And so let me ask that generically, if I could. What are the things that bring the strongest encouragement to us together? And the second question was, how is God at work in me encouraging others? Or how is God at work in us bringing encouragement? Because the text here is a reflection of Paul and Silas and Timothy's word to these new believers of what a great encouragement they were and how pumped that Paul and Silas and Timothy were that these people were walking with Jesus and their faith was growing. So what is it that brings encouragement to us? Let's tackle that first question to us. There could be a lot of things. The green hills outside, that's pretty cool, right? Brings me encouragement. The rain, I love that. There could be... um, something at work going on that's bringing you encouragement. Maybe you got a raise or maybe you got something encouragement, a conversation with a boss that was encouraging or something happened like that. Or perhaps at school, something happened in your life that you thought, wow, that was a great accomplishment. Or maybe it was somebody in your family that had an achievement. There could be a whole group of things that bring us encouragement each day. And then there are the things that matter the very most, right? The things that are the strongest encouragements to us. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, there's something that you need to know. God has wired us in such a way that the thing that will be most significant in your life, the strongest encouragement in your life, will be if another person is growing in their faith in Christ. That is, if you're being effective at discipling. Now, you might might say this morning, Ron, actually, if I was honest, that's not really the most encouraging thing. There are other things in my life that are more encouraging to me. But listen, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, Matthew chapter 6, and he's saying, listen, let me talk to you about treasure for a moment. Treasure the things that are eternal, not the things that are going to rust or going to corrode. Don't treasure those. Treasure the things that are eternal. What is it that's eternal? People are. God's word is. The Lord is eternal. And what I can do is invest in the life of people in such a way in their faith that God uses me in their lives where that will build my eternal bank account, right? It'll be the greatest investment I can possibly make. And that theme is sounded in this passage It's a passage that talks about the faith and love of those that Paul and Silas and Timothy had invested in. And then we see Paul like his joy meter goes right to the top, right? He's so excited that these believers are being faithful in the Lord. And what he's thinking could be a a better investment of my life and energy to them. And I believe Paul's passion about this it speaks volume about, volumes about what God wants our heart set on. Our mission, right, not should we choose to accept it, but as followers of Jesus, our mission is to make disciples, to be passionate about making disciples, passing on our faith to another person and seeing them grow in Christ. And a disciple maker, that's who we are, 
They love it when friends are growing in their faith because there's no greater life investment that we can make. There's no greater life investment that we can make. And I was reminded of this last Sunday. So I had a full weekend and we actually were out of town. Sue and I were out of town. We flew back in in the morning, got here at church, and I'm, um, we race over here. Okay, not really race. We obeyed the speed limit and got over here to church. And uh, we were, I was hanging out and I had a bunch of conversations. And then um, like the in-between hour between first and second hour happened. And I thought to myself, I just had this moment where God's spirit like, totally convicted me. Um, and I was like, you know what? I just had a series of conversations that were pretty shallow. I mean, just said, hey, how you doing? You know, different people. But I wasn't really truly thinking about making disciples. And the Spirit of God, like, in that moment, I thought, just grabbed me and said, Ron, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here? And I thought, well, I work here. You know, I should be here. But it was deeper than that. It was actually, what are you doing to propel the life and faith of people around you? What, what is, how are you making disciples? And I just was like totally humbled. I don't know if you've ever experienced those moments where God just grabs you and says, hello. That was one of those moments for me. And I thought, wow, what I really want to do and be is a person who encourages, who nurtures, who inspires the faith of other people. And what would it look like if on a Sunday morning, everybody here was vested in that? Like everybody here was committed to the faith development of people around us. What would that look like for you and your personal experiences? If you came here and before you could actually get in the door, someone came up to you and said, hey, how are you? I want to know how I can pray for you. Or man, I want to share the scripture that was, God was really encouraging me with. Or how can I invest in your life? Let me, tell you, let me ask you that. What would it look like if by the time you left her, you were showered with that kind of thing? And what would it look like if you were invested in that and you could look at your Sunday morning and said, man, it wasn't about um, whether I liked the music or not or whether I liked the new bathrooms or not. It wasn't any about any of that. It was about what, how was I investing in the faith of people around me? How, God, how was God using me? What would this place be like? If God did that to us, if we were fulfilling our God-given mission in that kind of powerful way, what do you think? Hello. Like a church would be what church is intended to be, right? It would be great. We would feel the inspiration of that, and we would know that we were being used by God. And that's the point. A disciple maker loves to do that kind of thing. Now, to get to the power of this, I'd like us to back up this morning because I think there's something that's slippery here. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they are encouraged by what's happening in the faith of the Thessalonian new believers. And that word, faith, can get a little tricky for us because in our culture, it's difficult for us to come to a common definition of what faith is. But there is a central biblical definition of faith. So this morning, I hope, now you're the second hour, so you have no excuse. You've been able to sleep in a little bit, get the kids going, so I hope your mind is headed in the right direction. You've got it turned on. Um, We're going to look at a little video that's got a definition of faith. It goes a little quick, so I want your mind to be fully engaged. You ready for this? Okay, if you'd show the video, and we're going to think about what biblical faith means and is. Pause now and watch the video linked in the description below.
So faith is, some of you are like, oh man, I'm still thinking through that. So faith is real, biblical faith. Faith is trustworthy and it's relational. It's about placing our faith in something that we know is real and trustworthy and relational the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what biblical faith is. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about inspiring faith in people around us. We're inspiring, encouraging, challenging faith in one another in the Lord Jesus Christ who is real and trustworthy and eternal. And that's why there's eternal benefit in doing that in encouraging this kind of investment. So our church, we are, have a commitment to this. And as many of you know, we have a mission statement. It's about bridging relationships to pursue the life adventure of following Jesus together. Let me restate that in other language. We are intentionally seeking to develop genuine friendships in order to make disciples. That's what we're about here. And when God uses us to build faith in the lives of people around us, then we ought to experience great joy because we know something eternal is happening. I want to thank the ladies who um, brought friends Friday night. Some of you know that there was a big event with the ladies on Friday night, and many of them brought friends to it, and the gospel was, um, was made really clear. There was great conversations, and we had some, some women who came to faith in Christ and some women who rededicated their life to Jesus. Isn't that cool? And that investment happened because there were some ladies who caught the vision, who said, I want to make an eternal investment in my friends. I want them to have these kind of relationships, and, and they want to hear, I want them to hear the good news so that something happens with them, so that God grabs their life. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. So let me get back up and give a little framework of what happens. So Paul is now in Corinth, and he wants really badly to hear about what's happening in the lives of these believers in Thessalonica whether their persecution has submarined their faith. And he himself is wrestling because he's gone through all kinds of persecution and he's struggling. So he sends Timothy. It's kind of a risk because there's only a couple people on his team and he sends Timothy. Corinth is about 200 miles away from Thessalonica, so it's going to take him on foot at least 10 days to get there and then spend some time with the believers there and another 10 days to get back. It's at least a month away from Timothy. So you can imagine that Paul is just wondering, how are they doing? I really want to know how they are. And when they come back and get the news that they're walking with the Lord, it's got to be thrilling for them. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he says, and brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. We hear this such great news that your faith and your love, it's flourishing. Their response, I think, teaches us some spiritual lessons that I'd like us to grab hold of this morning. And the first one is this, that faith in Christ and love for God and for one another, they're the chief goals of discipleship. The chief things that we're about, right, is nurturing the person next to you, their faith and their practical expression of their faith a love for God, a growing love for God, and a love for people around them. Paul makes this point repeatedly in his letters. 
he'd observed that both the faith and the love of the Thessalonians were inspiring other people around them and inspiring themselves. And he mentions this in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, and 5, and 6, and 7, and 10, and 2 Thessalonians. He mentions it three times, that faith was growing in them, and that was a faith that was contagious in others. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 1, 8, For the word of the Lord is sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Caia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. We we can't even add to it what God is doing in your life that's so great. So he also focuses not only on their love, but the practical, I mean their faith, but the practical expression of their faith, and that is loving God and loving others. And Paul sounds out this throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians and also in his letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 and 2 Corinthians and in Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Titus. He keeps writing about these two things, their faith and their love, because they are the goals of discipleship. And when he writes his letters of discipling to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, He keeps mentioning these things. Listen to God's word as it comes through Paul's writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.5. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 1 Timothy 1.14. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity. Show yourself an example to those who believe. 1 Timothy 6.11, but flee these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. 2 Timothy 1.13, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.10, now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, and love. So, Faith and love are these two primary targets for our discipleship. Biblical faith, growing that in one another that's real and trustworthy in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the expression of that, the tangible expression of our love, love for God and love for others. So faith in Christ and his love for God and for one another, their chief goals. There's a second lesson. The joy over someone's growth in faith can bring encouragement and perspective, especially when things are, when we're going through our own faith challenges. So here's perspective. Let me step you back a bit to give you perspective. We've talked a little bit about it. What's going on in the life of Paul and Timothy when they write this letter? Paul and the team have been going through really difficult times. They have been unjustly beaten and put in stocks and thrown in prison in Philippi. They were forced to leave Thessalonica because of persecution for their faith. And then those same Jews who were persecuting in Thessalonica followed them to Berea and stirred up a riot there, forcing them to flee again. And then while they saw some fruit in Athens, they also were rejected. They rose up and went to Corinth, and there the Jews resisted their message and blasphemed God. And they rose up and they took Paul in front of the proconsul. And when he went before the proconsul, the proconsul stepped back and wouldn't let, wouldn't do anything to those who were persecuting Paul. And they took a young believer, Sosthenes, and they beat him before Paul. And Paul was wondering, is my ministry count for anything? 
Why did he even come to Macedonia? And in that moment, God gave him a word of encouragement at night one night. Records this in Acts 18, where God says to him, Don't be afraid. Don't let fear rule your heart any longer. But go on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you. I'll protect you. It was a powerful word for Paul, a great reminder. And then this tangible expression of that encouragement when they heard word that the Thessalonians were thriving, even though they themselves were being persecuted. So even Paul and his team, supposedly people who have their spiritual life together, they needed encouragement, right? Just like every one of us needs that kind of encouragement. I received an email from a friend that I hadn't seen for quite a while this week who was thanking me for being faithful to the Lord. It came as a total surprise, like out of the blue. I was like, wow, I, you know, um, to be honest, I, there are times where I feel like I'm not faithful. You know, where I feel like, wow, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't all that God has called me to be. I want to I keep growing in my walk and faith with the Lord. And I was wrestling with that. And uh, it was such a refreshing thing to hear. Right? It's encouraging to us to know that we have a wider influence than we imagine. You have a wider influence in your faithfulness to the Lord than you can dream of. God has placed you with a circle of people around you that are looking to you. If you go to school or grad school somewhere, maybe it's elementary school or junior high or high school or college, wherever, people are looking at you. If you work somewhere in the valley, you're surrounded by people that don't know him. And people are looking at you. They want to be challenged and encouraged to see a person, a woman, a man who is actually placing their faith in something that's real and trustworthy. They want to see that. They want to see us follow him. And there's a third lesson, the joy over someone's growth in the faith. It actually reflects our true values. Think about um, this. If you go home today and you get a phone call, it's from the... um, Publisher's Clearinghouse, and they inform you that you have won $7,000 a week for the rest of your life. How would you respond? Hello, how would you respond? Right, you're like, woohoo, I'm going to be pretty excited about that. Think about this. Every week you get $7,000, right? Well, minus taxes and all that other stuff, but every week you get that. Does any of that stuff last? Right, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, none of it does. It all rots. So what would be even a better phone call that you could get? If a friend called you up and said, you know what, I just wanted to let you know that your investment in my life, it's paid these huge dividends, I'm following Jesus. That would be better news. Although, check your heart, which would be better to receive this afternoon? Right? It would be better news if you had invested in somebody, a young person, a person who's a peer, and they're actually, their faith is nurtured and growing than any other thing that's not going to last. Because those other things are eternal. That's what scripture tells us. There's a joy over someone's growth in the faith. That's going to reflect our values. Um, this week I also received an email. Fred actually and Pastor Fred and Nate and I received this email from this 
guy who I really appreciate. And about a year ago, he came to faith in Christ in one of these services. He's just placed his faith in Christ. He realized that he'd been walking away from God, resisting God, and he just gave his life to God to follow him. And uh, it was really a sweet moment. And this guy actually was baptized here, and it started growing his faith like a weed. And, um, and then um, maybe it was about a month ago, I guess, he said, you know what, I've had something amazing happen in my life. It's never happened before. I prayed for a job, for a new job. I didn't feel like the one I was in was the right job. And, and God has been in this every step, and, I, and I'm moving. I'm moving to the East Coast. And I was bummed. I was like, oh, shoot. He goes, no, but it's good because I, like, this is the first time in my life I've ever experienced that God's calling me somewhere. It was cool, right, to hear that. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but that's, that's what the Lord wants us like, to grab onto. And then this email said, okay, so I had this weird experience. He's, he's relaying this. He said, so I just had this sense that I, I should um, go a different route on the way there when I'm moving there. And I should go a day early. And I, this is not my experience. I don't really usually experience this kind of thing. But I just, so I decided maybe this is God. And so I, I went early. And I took this different route. And I got to tell you. Like, every step of the journey was amazing. And God was with us, and I actually beat this really bad storm to the East Coast. If I wouldn't have responded that way, what would have happened? I can't believe this faith stuff is like like this, you know? It was such an encouragement to me to know that this brother is now experiencing some of the richness of the Spirit of God's leading in his life. It is a great joy to see those kind of things happen. So let me ask you, when was the last time you celebrated a person's faith? When you actually thought, this is sweet, because this person is growing at Christ, right? So this is is the essence of who we are as disciple makers, to celebrate people's growth in faith in something that's real and trustworthy and relational that has as its object the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul repeats this kind of theme, his joy in investing in others throughout his letters. You'll see it in Romans and 2 Corinthians and Philippians and 1 Thessalonians and 2 Timothy and Philemon. Others write it too in Hebrews, and you'll see it throughout John's writing. And in 3 John, John says this, For I was very glad... When brothers came and testified to your truth, that is how you were walking in truth, I have no greater joy than this, than here the children walking in the truth. No greater joy. Is that a good reflection of you, of me? The the passage finishes with a prayer. It's a prayer that's aiming at this kind of development in our lives. First, they pray in verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Man, we just, we hope that we can get to be with you because they realize that discipleship is relational. It's, it's person on person, right? That's the most powerful t- thing I can do. And I, so I have to carve out that space in the life of other people to take that relational space with them. And secondly, they're praying about a practical outworking of faith. That real love and action would be alive and growing in these Thessalonians. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. This has been great. What's happened in your life, you guys in Thessalonians, Thessalonica, excuse me. But 
But man, wouldn't it be greater if it even grew more? Like it really started to abound in great ways. That's a great prayer to be praying on behalf of people, right? There's no downside of that prayer. Now, I'm just praying that your love would abound more and more. So let's practice. I'd like you to take a moment here in the service and identify one other person that you're not sitting next to, hopefully, and pray that their life would abound more and more this week, right? That their faith would grow and they'd express their faith and their love for the Lord, okay? Take a moment right now. God loves to answer this kind of prayer, so I'm asking you to pray this out in somebody's life. Let's pray it out. And finally, in this short prayer, they're praying for established hearts, aren't they? So that he may, that is, God may, establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice the order of things in that statement. When our affections are right, that is, when our hearts are grounded and established in the love of God, then holiness follows, behavior follows. When the Lord has grabbed our greatest affections, holiness isn't a duty, it's a natural result. It isn't a burden, I want to obey the Lord when my heart is established. And that's what I pray out in the lives of other people too. I pray that they would be established in their faith and their affections would be holy on God. And that's their heart, that's the heart of Paul and Silas and Timothy And then there's an ending there. They talk about this last thing, that they would would do that in view of what's to come. Um, Think about when you first learned to drive. For me, I was about 10 years old. And um, we had this, I grew up kind of in the country, small town, and so there's dirt roads with nobody around, just fields. My dad had this old pickup truck, and it was a three on the tree. So for those of you who are under 50, Um, Let me describe what that means. Um, It's a transmission where the gear shift is right on the steering column, okay? Some of you know that, and if you're shaking your head no, then I know how old you are. So um, they don't have them anymore, and most people don't even know what a, you know, standard transmission is anymore, how to drive one, but that's okay. Another point. So I had one of those, and um, it had a clutch, and I was, as as a 10-year-old, I was even shorter than I am now. So at 10 year old, I'm little, little Ronnie's right there, and, I'm, and I, I have to go stretch way down like here, and I can barely see over the steering column, and I'm doing this shifting thing like that, and I'm driving the truck like this. I'm looking in between the dash and the, the steering wheel, you know, going like this, and I'm all over the road, right, as a 10 year old. I'm going back and forth, and you can imagine, I don't know, my dad had faith, like I, but it wasn't in something real or trustworthy, right? So... He uh, had confidence in me. You know, there was fields on either side, so the worst that could happen was we'd go off in a field. And I'm all over the map on this, like, driving here. And finally, he says, you know what you need to do? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm, I've got this death grip on my steering wheel. He goes, you need to relax a little and look out farther out that way. Like, get your horizon up so you're not just looking right at, at the end of the truck, right? If you get your horizon up, then you've, you're looking at something out there. And that's exactly what they're saying here at the end of this prayer, that their horizon would be up on the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, in the story, in this letter that they write, they're going to continue that theme throughout 1 Thessalonians to get your eyes out there of what God's going to do into eternity. 
that will change not just your perspective, but your priorities, your values, because you realize there's a lot of things that aren't going to last. All the awards and achievements and the bank account stuff, it's all going to flush. But there are certain things that are going to last. The Lord lasts. His word lasts. People last. That's why I invest in the faith of others and why that counts so much for us. This morning, our faith and love, much like the faith and love of the Thessalonians, it has a huge potential to affect, influence others greater than you can imagine this week as you live your life. And as you come to church, it has a greater power than you can imagine. What would it look like if we were a fellowship that nurtured, that was totally committed to the development of faith in one another? Let others see your faith and let it shine this week. And on the flip side, remember that investing in and praying for the faith and the love of people in our lives to grow, it's this huge opportunity and it's vital for our mission. So who is it right now that God wants you investing in? Who is it? How can I spur on their faith and love today? Ask yourself that. Let me pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, humbly, knowing I'm part of the crowd, that help us to see what lasts into eternity, to invest in the things that last eternally, and that is the faith and the practical expression of faith, our love for you and love for others. God, help us to be a place that's faithful to make disciples and our friends and gives ourselves away for the sake of your name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.